0: How are we tonight? That's the only way to be, is blessed. (laughs) Amen. Are we ready to get into the Word tonight? Go with me to Matthew chapter 19. We'll begin there. Matthew chapter 19 and verse 26. But Jesus looked at them and said to them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Say this, with God. God. Say this, with God. God. All things things are are possible. We need to develop a larger capacity for receiving unlimited and impossible things. We need to develop a larger capacity for receiving unlimited and impossible things. We serve the God of the impossible. Things that are impossible with men by faith is possible with our God. Now, in Genesis chapter 1, if we go back to the beginning, it says, verse 26, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish. Now, God made man in his image. Verse 27, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. So we are created in the image of God, to be like Him. We are to act like God. We are to talk like God. We are to be like God. That's how we are created to be. And when we get born again, and our spirit goes from being dead to alive, alive to Christ, alive in Christ because of what Jesus did, then... He has recreated our spirit, man. But this was originally the way man was designed to live, in the image of God, created to be like him. If you study it out, it means like a replica of God. Thank you for your enthusiasm. So, we need to develop a larger capacity to be able to act like God and, and think like God. Now, is God limited in any way? He's unlimited. Can he do the impossible? So, the only limitations that God has are the limitations that we put on God. And I'm going to give you three ways that we limit God. Are you ready? I'm just going to give them to you. We may talk about them. We may not. I don't know. Are you ready? Number one negative thinking. We limit God by negative thinking. Number two, we limit God by negative talking. And number three, we limit God by limited sowing. Joshua 1, verse 8 says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So our path to success and our path to being prosperous is is our uh, willingness to not let God's Word depart from our mouth. And it is to meditate in God's Word day and night, all the time. It, it, It shows a picture of a cow that's chewing on grass, and he just keeps chewing on it. And chewing on it and chewing on it. That's the picture that the word gives of this word meditate. And so when Dr. Savell's talking about this abundant harvest for 2021, and that we have to, in our spirit, man, become pregnant or conceive this word in our spirit. Well, not just that word, but every word of God, that every promise of God that's in the word, that's how we develop a larger capacity to receive that word in our life is to get it on the inside of us, to conceive that word, to meditate on it, to allow that word to grow, to create a picture on the inside of us that's that's in the image of God. Now, I looked up uh, this word meditate. It means to imagine or to ponder. To imagine or to ponder. Now, when we think of the word imagination, the word imagination is, is, comes off the word image or uh, imagine, and all the word imagination is is the action or the process that forms an image. So imagination is like the verb or the action or the process that forms that image. And so in imagination can be a great thing. And so when we get in the Word and we imagine and meditate on the Word and meditate on the promises of God and chew on it and think on it and ponder on it, then it takes root on the inside of us and it grows. And once it takes root on the inside of us, because Jesus said, if you'll have faith in your heart and, and do not what? Doubt. So that's where we truly believe so that we have to conceive this on the inside of us and then it will begin to manifest on the outside. Now, let's let's talk about some examples of, of this in Genesis chapter 12, if you'll go over there. God says to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, from your father's house, to a land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who curse you. And in you all the families shall be blessed. The, The Amplified says, and you will be a blessing dispensing good to others. So... Uh, if you go to Galatians chapter 3, it talks about how Christ uh, has, because of what he did on the cross, he's redeemed us from the curse of the law so that the blessing of Abraham will come on me and you. Right, right. So when God blessed Abram, it didn't take Abram long to begin to walk in this blessing. But there were two parts to this. If you, if you go over to uh, chapter 13, it says... Abram was very rich in verse 2. Abram was very rich. So basically in a chapter, Abram got it. But he said, I will make you a great nation. So this was the other part of the promise. Now, this took a little more uh, time to manifest in Abram's life. And what God does with Abram... If we, if we look at chapter 15, that God appears to Abram and um, Abram says, Lord, what will you give me? Verse 2, seeing I go childless. So, in other words, here you are, Lord, you promised me that through my seed all the nations will be blessed, but I still don't have a child. I'm childless. So here's what God does. Verse 3, Abram says, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir. Another translation, the Lord says to him, uh, The Lord says to him, you look. (laughs) So Abram says, look, Lord. And then the Lord says, you look. And so what he says to him is, verse 5, look now toward the heaven. So Abram was looking at the wrong things. And what God does is he says, you know, with this promise, I give you his promise. I am faithful to my word. I am faithful to my promise. Abram says, but Lord, I'm childless. God says, you're looking at the wrong things. So God says, look now toward the heaven. Well, what did this have anything to do with having a child? And God says to him, and count the stars if you're able to number them. Have you ever gone out to try to count the stars? Has anyone ever counted all the stars in the sky? So the point is that the blessing that God blessed Abram with, that Christ redeemed for us to walk in, is unlimited. And so we, if you think about this for a second, I want to just talk about money for a second, for a minute. Bill Gates in 2018 was worth $91.3 billion. Now I want you to stop and think about $91.3 billion. Now the blessing is unlimited. Bill Gates is limited by a number. You're going to get this before the night's over. In a day, Bill Gates, who is not born again, makes $250,136,986 per day. That's what he made today. In an hour, Bill Gates makes $10,422,374. So by the time we get out of here, he'll have made $10 million. In a second, he makes $173,706. One, two, three. He just made 540000 So what God was doing with Abram is he was saying, look up. Look at these stars. Now count them. Well, he couldn't count the stars. God was showing him a picture on the inside of what this blessing is all about. That it is limitless. And so I can imagine that every time Abram went outside and looked up at the stars. He's thinking, oh man, that's all my descendants up there. As many as I can count. And what's he doing? He's meditating. He's pondering. He's getting this picture on the inside of him. He's, he's being pregnant with this vision that God is showing him. With this dream that God has given him with with this with this thing that God wants him to do in the earth. He's being pregnant with it. He's conceiving it. And every time he every time at night he he walks out of his tent. Oh, I'm blessed. I am blessed. This in, in my seed. This is this is all the nations will be blessed and and he see and I, I think when he lays down at night and closes his eyes those stars don't disappear. He sees them all. He sees that one that's real bright. He sees the little, the twinkly star. He sees the the ones that make a, a hammer. <laughs> he's, he's got this picture that was birthed in here from the Word of God. Are you getting it? So he's meditating on it. He's thinking on it. He's pondering it. The blessing is not limited by your age. The blessing is not limited by your race. The blessing is not limited by your silence of not saying amen tonight. The blessing is not limited by your geography. Right here in Crowley, Texas or wherever you stay. The blessing is not limited by your job. The blessing is not limited by your boss. The blessing is not limited by your family. The blessing is not limited by people around you. The blessing is unlimited and it's on you and me. So we only limit God By those three things, our negative thinking, our negative talking, and our limited sewing Where those things are concerned. So I've got to get a picture on the inside of me that I'm blessed. That I'm Eric the Blessed Deaton. And that's you too. So we're going to do this, say your name. Say, I am Eric, the blessed Deaton, except you'll say your name, then insert the blessed in there. Ready? I am Eric, the blessed Deaton. You begin to get that and you begin to ponder on that. You begin to meditate on that. You begin to see this in your spirit. See yourself blessed. The purpose of the blessing is it's not just financial. It's to walk in health. It's to... Be a blessing to others. Imagine yourself, you know, buying a car for someone. Imagine yourself paying off someone's mortgage. Imagine yourself giving to missions. And you begin to get this on the inside of you. So that we can grow our capacity to receive what God has for us. And so Joshua says, you got to meditate on this day and night, day and night. you got to meditate on this. Brother Jerry uh, talks about, if you've ever heard him, when he was new Christian and, and they had a, a line, you know, where the, the prophet had come in and the pastor of the church and they made, you know, a tunnel so that the prophet and the pastor are going to lay hands on everybody that comes to the tunnel, and Dr. Savelle walks through the tunnel, and he stops, and the, the prophet says, oh, yeah, airplanes, airplanes, airplanes. And the pastor says, oh, yeah, fly, fly, fly. And he walks out, and they say, wait, 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 come back here. He backs up. The prophet says, airplanes, airplanes, airplanes. Oh, yeah, fly, fly, fly. And he walks away. Wait, wait, wait. Come back here. And he backs up. Airplanes, airplanes, airplanes. Oh, yeah. Fly, fly, fly. And he stood there. Okay, you may go now. And he left. Well, what is that doing? He went back to Miss Carolyn and said, well, what was that? Well, it sounds like you're going to fly. Well, what was God doing? Did he have an airplane sitting in the, in the hangar outside? No, he did not. But well, what God was doing him was giving him a word that would get down on the inside of him. Conceiving this word that, that his ministry would be airplanes and flying so that he couldn't do his ministry without this. So it had to, he had to conceive this on the inside of him. So guess what that did? Created a picture on the inside of him. And so what he did was went and got model airplanes. So every day... He could see this picture. He could look at the picture and see himself in an airplane flying, flying, flying. When I was, it was Easter Sunday, 1979. And the pastor, I remember I was sitting near the back of the church, I was five years old, and the pastor gave a call for salvation you never received Jesus. And so at five years old, everybody's heads bowed, everybody's eyes closed. And raise your hand if you've never received Jesus. Raise my hand. The pastor didn't see me because I was a little boy, you know. Raise my hand. And I think it was my mom beside me. And, and my mom's like. So I go up front and receive Jesus. And about four years later, evangelists came into town and I remember our church was going through a uh, building program. So we were out in the gymnasium and we had set chairs out. I remember this. And they had made a stage because and, and, uh, we were building a new sanctuary. And I remember uh, the preacher saying, come up to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you, talk, and you speak in tongues. And well, I went up and boom, he laid hands on me, prophesied over me, power of God hit me, and I fell out. And I laid I laid on that floor for half an hour. And finally my dad came over and picked me up and took me back over. And later he asked me about it. And he said, What what were you doing down there? I said I the Lord was showing me things. And this I was I was just a boy, 9 years old. And I said, "Dad, I'm going to be a preacher someday." Well, I buried this way down deep. After that, some things happened and I got involved in other things and and I decided I'm not going to be a preacher. I didn't like preachers. And so I I I was excelling at sports and played all all kinds of sports and I'd always say you know, what's your best sport? I can beat you at your best sport. Just tell me what it is. You know, and I had, I had a lot of confidence where sports was concerned. And so we get to college and, you know, I played basketball in college and we sat in the back balcony because we were the cool people, you know, and when they would give a call, well, oh, if you feel like you're called, to, to ministry, if you feel like you're called to the missions, I want you to come up right now. And I would watch and see the guys that would come up, and I thought they were all a bunch of nerds. So I was like, man, I'm not going up there. I'm not, if I go up there, God asked me to go to Africa or something. I'm not going to Africa. This, this is the thoughts that I was having. So Nikki and I get married, and we move to uh, Birmingham, Alabama, and we spent about three years there, and then we had Drew, and so in that process, we moved up to Michigan, where her dad was a pastor, and and I uh, was quite shell shocked, growing up in the South, from West Monroe, Louisiana, to to Cleveland, Tennessee, to Birmingham, Alabama, to Michigan. And let me tell you, uh, the weather's a little different. And so, I remember, <laughs> I remember going to the uh, our little bathroom. We bought this little house, and our bathroom we had to walk like this to get by each other. And uh, I had we had this little window, and it was about like this, and it had crossbars in the in this little window. And every morning. When I wake up and walk by Nikki, I would look out that window and go, yep, gray skies again. And I've marked how many cloudy days there were in a row. 37. 37 cloudy days in a row. And so I'm just bitter now. I'm just, and, but I knew that it was right that we moved up there, but I'm, but I'm fighting this thing. And uh, well finally finally I gave in and began to you know give my heart to God and get this some of these things out of my heart that were in my heart and uh, oh man, this this pastor came in from another city and I'm sitting there you know on the I don't know in the middle section, about three rows back and he says, you points me out. You, come here. And I walk up. and So he gets up on this ledge like this because I'm I'm so much taller than him. Why is it that all preachers are short? I don't get this. Oh, I'm sorry. Except for you. And uh, he's tall on the inside. And so he gets up on this. And he's just he's just looking at me and just kind of laughing. And he says to me, he starts out like this. You were about eight or nine years old and you had an experience with God. Well, what was that? I knew exactly what he was talking about. It's when I got filled with the Holy Ghost, went out under the power of God and saw visions of what my life would be. You're about eight or nine years old and you had an experience with God. Well, you put that down, you, you excelled at sports, you got married, have a family. Wow. Started a business, life is good. But all the, the while, there was something on the inside of you. That when you would see people come up to the altar, they would tug at you. And you and you would be moved by it. And you couldn't put that, you you put it down, but you couldn't get away from it. You put it down, but you couldn't get away from it. He says, I see hill tracks all the way from Alabama to Michigan, just, just dragging you, just dragging you all the way to right now. And he went on to say, I decree to you that you have a call of God on your life. And you will be a leader of God's people and ultimately preach behind the pulpit the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, all of this, all of this, you know, was exciting and so I began to pursue a deeper walk with God and um, so Nikki's father says, "I want you to fly out to Tulsa and go to this youth conference, and then y'all get some ideas, and we're going to start a youth group." So now I'm about 28 years old. Now I'd had some success in the business world, and I was making really good money, and uh, but I didn't go around flaunting my money or or puffing myself up. I was never one of those uh, you know, kind of people that did that. But when I got to this conference and we're new to this but we're excited, we're going to start a youth group and I would go up and introduce myself. Hey, Eric Deaton. Oh, hey, Eric, where are you from? Well, we're from Quincy, Michigan. How many people do you have in your youth group? They would ask me. First question. I don't have One. Does that, does that mean I ain't supposed to be here or what? Yeah. Yeah. And then once they found that out, it was like, there they go. I, okay. Next person. Hey, how are you doing? Where are you from? Oh, uh, how many are you running? Zero. We don't have nothing. Oh, well, I, we run this many and, and uh, I'll go over here, do this conference, go over there, do that conference and this and that. And I'm telling you, I got so irritated At this thing, because here I was not really wanting to do this and i had been fighting this thing. And so I said to Nikki, the next person that says that to me, I'm going to ask them, well, let's compare W-2s and see who made more money. (laughs) I mean, if you want to one up me, then let's go. How much do you weigh? You know? So that was my first experience about around being around preachers when I just got the, you know, the the refreshing call to preach. So we got some ideas tonight. We go back and start a youth group, and and so we youth pastor for eighteen years, and in that process, we we uh, you know got into the local school, you know the 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 Baptist. Youth minister had been doing a fellowship of Christian athletes, which turned into fellowship of Christian students. And they were getting kids coming in, you know, for the lunch break for fifth and sixth grade. And then there was a seventh and eighth grade. And then there was a high school class. So we go there every Tuesday, stay for an hour and a half and do a Bible study. Well, the Baptist guy left and and, uh, took a pastor at a church and turned it over to us, which was amazing. Well, when that happened... Uh, more kids started coming in. And, um, you know, there were times where we, we had 120 kids in the fifth and sixth grade just packed. And, and Natasha came in and spoke one time, just packed in this in this room. And and there were kids getting saved, you know, and kids would come up and, and asking us questions and we'd help them, and, you know, different things. And so Nikki and I, we just, our thing was, we'll do whatever's asked of us. Whatever whatever needs to be done to fulfill the vision of this house, that's what we'll do. We're We're not better than any job. So if pastor asks us to do something, I don't have to pray about it and be super spiritual. Oh, let me pray about it. Oh, okay. I didn't have to do that because... It was all about helping the man of God fulfill the vision of the, of the house. So uh, we helped them get on TV. We got on, on a local TV station. And the Lord gave me great favor uh, in doing that. And we had a once-a-week broadcast that was only like, what was it, Nikki? Like 125 bucks a week or something. It was so It was really cheap. And that covered like 3.5 million people. Well, the guy calls me one day and says, hey, we got a bonus spot. Do you all want it? I was like, yeah. How much is it? Oh, no, no, we're just going to give it to you. Well, this happened over and over and over and over and over again. And because uh, he and I just hit it off, we just had great favor with him until when we moved, before we moved down here, our, our church up there was on TV three times a day, every single day. And they had increased the price over the course of those years, $50 a week. That's it. So we were paying $175 a week for three times a day, every single day. And uh, Nikki and I, um, you know got a website going, we, we, we didn't know anything about websites, we're not tech people, we, I learned how to edit a TV broadcast, so we could get it on TV, um, I think I was the only person in the church that could sing, so I led praise and worship, <laughs> let's have David sing for us, and so we did this. For years and years and years, and was faithful, and and didn't complain, and when there was Bible school, we showed up to Bible school. We we took four years of Bible school, Right, we we're just hungry for the Word, hungry for more. We want God to use us. We want to be a part of what God's doing and help fulfill the vision and what God's doing in the earth. God didn't design any Christian. To come and be a pew sitter in the church, God has put gifts on the inside of all of us to be to be used. And you say, "Well, they're they're not using my gifts." Well, no, it's it's you think you're too good for what they need to use you for, where they need you, and and you think you should be doing something else. And and sorry, but you're wrong. It's whatever, and then your gift will make room for you. That's what the Bible says. I say all this in love. Maybe this doesn't apply to anybody here today. I don't even know. I'm just telling you what most people, the way most people think. But maybe it's not here. Well, about 2016, I would go to my basement and I would sit in this one place. Am I boring, you guys? Okay. I'm just telling you the story because I'm going to come to a point here. And I was sitting in this one spot on the couch where we, we had just put in this wood pellet stove. Now in Michigan, this is a big deal. It was, we had a fireplace in the basement. Well, we had done the wood in there and stuff, but it would smoke up the whole house, Vic. You put that wood in there, and if the wood was wet, wet at all, the whole house would smoke up, and it would fill the smoke up the stairs and all that. So we put in this wood pellet stove. We'd fill the wood pellets, and then it would blow the heat out. A beautiful thing. And... Uh, So I would get up every morning and go down and spend time with God. And I would begin to um, just pray in the Holy Spirit. Well, as I prayed in the Holy Spirit, I would begin to see the Lord would show me things in the Spirit. He would show me doing things in the Spirit. And I would just cry, and I would just cry that the Lord showed me this stuff. and, And it was just like, Lord, why are you showing me this? And then, you know, the next, and it would just keep coming up and keep coming up and keep coming up and keep coming up until finally he says, I can't take anymore, Lord. Please stop showing me this stuff. Why are you showing me this? Because, you know, I was I, I was preaching. We were going to the prisons. We were going to the local high school. i preach at church. But that's not what he was showing me. He was showing me preaching, but it wasn't in these places. And so I I, I said, Lord, please, what what is this? Why? I didn't remember what, and I I don't want to get into the specifics of what he showed me. That's not the point. That's for me. But these were the things I had put way down at nine years old. And he was, he was. He was bringing it back up because it was just like Abram. Abram, go look at the stars. Well, the stars are still there. Just like what he showed me as a little boy was still there. It was still there, but I put it way down. And so he was showing me these things. Well, we we begin to pray and you know, the Lord just started stirring our hearts and stirring our hearts that we want more, we're hungry for more, we're hungry for more. And it wasn't that we were discontent with what we were doing, it's just there was this hunger for more of God and and more of the things of God. Well, it was like, oh, I guess, something like February maybe, that we got this invitation in the mail. And this invitation in the mail was this little postcard and it says, you are invited to uh, this missions dinner for Jerry Savelle Ministries. (laughs) Well, I said, oh, they probably send this. They probably send this to every, I literally took it and I went like this. They probably send this to everybody and I took it and I just threw it on the, we had this little table and I just threw it, you know. Two weeks go by, and the Lord, the Holy Spirit says, you better go uh, pick that thing up, because I left it there. I didn't throw it away. You better go pick that thing up, and you better call. And so I did, and I called down, and I got uh, Joyce McCroskey on the phone. I said, "Uh, yeah, this is Eric. Um, I mean, I got this postcard in the mail. I'm sure y'all probably sent that out to, you know, millions of people or whatever, but Just, just, the Lord told me to call about it. She goes, oh, no, 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 no. We send those out to four or five people every year. Now, at this point, by world standards and by, by uh, non-faith-talking church people standards, we were nobodies from nowhere. And, We get this invitation, and they send out to four or five. I was like, "Well, why?" I'm like, "Well, why?" And 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 we had we would sow seed every year, you know, at the beginning of the year, and we had done that for years to Jerry Spell Ministries, and and she says, "We go through, we pray, and we pick out people." Brother Jerry prays over it. Well, this this was things that we, we had been praying and God stirring us for. You know, something. We just needed something, and so I, I said, "We're coming." And so I put the dates down, and and I booked flights and all kinds. Of, I mean, we're we're so excited. And so we go we go on vacation for spring break, and we're just talking about, "Oh man, what do you think God's got for us? What do you think? What do you think we're going to see on this mission thing?" You know, because about a year before that, I had gotten up in front of our church and says. Nikki and I are going to go to Africa. That God's put it in our hearts, and we're going to go to Africa. We don't know how we're going to go, we don't know with who, but we're going to go to Africa. Well, this lady in our church, uh, we had we had a few African Americans in church, and and one of them bought us a book that to how to get to know Africa. And so we started looking through the book and getting to know the countries, you know, their their currency. The sites in Africa. And what, what was God doing? He was all the time putting stuff on the inside of us, putting it on the inside of us, putting it on the inside of us. So we begin to see it. We begin to see it. And so, then a year later, we get this, this invitation. Well, I had a meeting out in San Diego that I had to go to. And so I was just going to fly to that meeting in San Diego and then go straight into Dallas. Nikki was going to meet me in Dallas. That was, had it all, had the flights all booked. I was set to leave uh, on Monday and it's Thursday. I was set to leave on Monday and then I was going to be in San Diego a couple of days and then fly over to Dallas for the meeting on Thursday for, for this meeting. Well, I get a call. It's Friday at noon and I'm set to leave Monday and it's Ms. Joyce McCroskey. And she says, Eric, where are you guys at? i say, say, um, we're, we're in Michigan. She, I said, what do you mean? She, she said, well, we miss you guys. Um, I said, no, it starts next Thursday. You're kidding, right? It starts next Thursday. And she goes, no, it started yesterday. I said, you are kidding. No, 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 no. No, I know I don't, I don't ever mess up like this with dates and stuff. I book travel all the time. I couldn't have done that. She said, yeah, no, I'm not kidding you. We, we started yesterday. So I called Nikki. I said, "Nikki, I'm so sorry I messed up the flights." And this thing started yesterday. Well, she cries. This is how much we were like, you know, looking forward to this and and putting our expect, expectation on it. And so I'm just like, I'm down now. I'm down. I, I've just messed up. This was our one chance. This this was this was it. And I, and I messed it all up. And what, what are we going to do? And gosh, I'm so stupid. I'm stupid. <laughs> if I could kick myself in the face, I would kick myself in the face. Well, <clears throat> I get a call back and I'm, I'm over uh, two hours from home over near Detroit Airport. Nikki calls and she says, uh, I'm here with Tasha. And uh, I was like, yeah. She says, Tasha says you should just go to the airport and get on and book a flight and go. I said, "Honey, I've got shorts and a T-shirt on. I can't go. It's, it's this banquet thing tonight, and you're supposed to have a suit on. I can't do that." Tasha says you should just go. Just just go. Go to the airport. See. Book a flight and just buy a suit when you get down there. I was like, "Well, yeah, I should. I should go. I should go to the airport." You know, I mean, and so I called Miss Joyce back. I said, "Miss Joyce, I'm going to the airport to see if I can book a flight. Because the tone I'd heard from her was, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, you messed up the dates. All right, well. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's, it's a worldwide ministry. They deal with all kinds of nuts. And here I was, I messed up the How could you mess up the dates, you know? And so... I go to the airport, and there's a flight. It's $500. Here's my credit card. Book me. And on the way down to Dallas, it was supposed to get in at 6 o'clock. This, this banquet started at 7, and it's the last thing of the whole thing. Our flight gets in 30 minutes early. On the way down, the Lord speaks to me about some things. And when I get down there, 30 minutes early, 5.30, and I, and I uber- to South Lake to a men's clothing store that closes in 30 minutes. And I walk in I said, I need a suit. And I need to walk out with it in 30 minutes. And so we're running around and, and what do you think of this? Try this on. I'm trying stuff on. And, and this guy's bringing me this tie. And, and um, I need socks. I need shoes. I need a belt. I need a suit. I need a tie. I need a shirt. Because I came with nothing. Well, by the end, I walk out with a suit and I get over to my hotel room and it it's seven o'clock. The meeting has started. I change as fast as I can. I pull my socks up so fast that I ripped one of the things in my sock. So I had a big old hole in the top of my sock, but I didn't care. I had to hurry. I, I threw some water in my hair and, you know, slicked it back and, and got my tie on and walked down to the, well, I showed up and this table where they sat me was one of the head tables and there was Joe McCroskey, Joyce. There was pastor John Ben Dixon and Sharon Ben Dixon. And, uh, and then some pastors, I think from Colorado. And so I came in, Miss Joyce met me. She, she brought me over to their table. I was like, Whoa, man. Yeah. Thank you for this. This is nice. You know I mean? well, I never, I'd met Dr. Savel one other time, like around 2004 at a meeting he did in Michigan. A book signing and shook his hand. And um, so he comes over. Well, do we have time for this? So Nikki, meanwhile, that's my story. Meanwhile, Nikki, come tell your story. She's like, no, just hurry up. Ah, who cares about Nikki's story? So anyway, no. So, so, Nikki gets, so Nikki rushes with clothes, puts on a dress, rushes two hours to the airport, makes a flight that was supposed to get in at 8 o'clock. It got in at 7.30. She was at the hotel at 7.45, and she walked in as people were just finishing up eating. And, I, and I, meanwhile, I told this whole story to Sharon Ben Dixon. So she was all excited, looking for Nikki, and they just couldn't believe that someone would just go to the airport and get on a plane. But God had showed me stuff and he had, he had stirred some things up in me. And there was no way that I could miss this opportunity of what God was doing in my heart. And so <laughs> we get there and then we, so hey, you want something to eat? And so, well, anyway, Dr. Savell comes over and says, I want to introduce you to what, what's your name? Eric and Nikki Deaton. Eric and Nikki Deaton, Eric got the flights wrong, put down the wrong dates. And so uh, they thought it was next Thursday. And, uh, and so, but, but, but when they found out that they got the wrong dates, they, they both hopped the plane and flew straight down. And every one of you should have that same commitment. <laughs> I was like, thank you. You Well, God knew all along. God knew all along, you know, how he was, this thing was orchestrated. He was working, Vic. He was working. Well, we went back to our hotel room after that night, and we didn't hardly, you know, get to really know anybody because we didn't have time. And we were just so excited that, that this was, hey, you know, I don't know what God has, but God's moving, He's doing something. And so the next year we come back and we got to know your pastors, our pastors now. And uh, we got to be friends with them, and, and we were we were long distance friends and, and praying for each other and 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 just developed a just a great friendship. And well in August of 2017. He says, "Hey, I want you guys." Or September two thousand seven. He says, "Hey, I want you guys to go with Africa with us next November. A year and two months. This thing that God put in me to go to Africa. Well, I had uh, had a dream not long after that about Kenya." I had, I had seen that uh, Carla Porter had written an article in the magazine about Kenya and she had a church there and all this. Well, I didn't know it at the time when I had this dream, but that's where we ended up a year and two months later. And so we go to this trip to Africa and God's speaking to us and all along working on the inside of us. These things that he's put in our hearts that are private to us, that, that I share what he showed us, that he's still working. And I get there, and Vic, you remember, we were at the, at the uh, children's home. And we were all taking turns speaking. And I get up, I said, well, I want to sing a song. And being able to sing the song, you remember? And the, and, the man, I'm telling you, the presence of God came in this room. And we were all worshiping and praising. And then, you know, it was time to eat. So, I, so we went, I'm in the kitchen, and Vic walks up, and Vic gets right in my face. And he says, Eric, man. I'm on I'm on I'm gonna talk try to do my best making. It. Eric man, I don't know you, you don't know me. But I hear from God. And Eric, what God has for you is for you. And can't nobody stop it. I said, Yeah. God has for me, is for me. And there ain't no man that can stop it. And sometimes with all this stuff that God's put on the inside of me, I hear Vic, Eric, (laughs) what God, what God has for you is for you. Ain't no man that can stop it. Ain't that right, Vic? Ain't that what you said? Ain't that what you said? That's what he said it. He said it exactly like that. Yeah. Oh yeah, Damora was there. Yeah, she was there. What's my point? I don't know because that was like a thirty minute story, so I have no idea anymore. That what God has for you is still on the inside of you. And you, you may have buried it way down deep, but it's still, He's still working to get this dream, this vision, this word that He's put on the inside of you to come to the surface so that you can step out in faith and step out into what He's called you to do in this last days because He's called us into this into this time where where this is unlimited things that we're going to experience. But we don't want to limit God with our negative thinking, our negative talking, and our limited souling, our limited thinking, and allow other people to limit us. To put things on us. Hey. This might be news to you, but not everybody is going to be a cheerleader of your dreams. Not everybody is going to cheer on your vision. In fact, some people are going to be really jealous. Well, who do you think you are and this and that? But what God has for you is for you. And ain't no man that can stop it. But you got to allow that gift that God's put on the inside to make room. For what God's called you to do. If he's called you to do it. That means he'll make room for you to do it. But in the meantime. You step out. You serve. You you be a part of the vision. You help the pastor. You do. And then guess what? One day. David was walking. And he was. And he had been anointed by the king. But he wasn't king yet. He went back to the sheep. And every day, he did this. But but all the while, on the inside, he had this vision that I'm going to be a king someday. I'm going to be a king someday. I'm going to be a king someday. And when he closed his eyes, he would remember Samuel anointing him as a king. I'm going to be a king someday. So, we have to allow God to expand our capacity to receive and begin to see see uh, ourselves, how he sees us, man, we're part of this kingdom. And Hey, boy, it's about to get real fun. If, if you like, if you like, you know, things like miracles and, and signs and wonders and, and, and millions of dollars coming into your bank account. I mean, if anybody likes stuff like that, that's all in the blessing. That's all stuff that we're about to see. But don't limit it by your negative talking, your negative thinking. Hey, jump on the faith train, brother, because we're about to take a good ride. Amen. Did you receive this tonight? Amen.